One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Live from South by Southwest, isn't this unbelievable? The home of Alex Jones, the home of incredible liberalism. I mean, you people, 6th Street right now is a mess. A total and complete mess. There are people vomiting everywhere, and we all know it. And we've got such an incredible show, Intercepted. And it is, it's all intercepted, but only for Hillary. And one of the great guys, this Snowden guy, I mean, this guy's truly snowed in. He's in Russia. He's trapped there. And I wish he helped me out more in the election, I'll tell you that. He's got to get in touch with the other guys, and we've got to release everything. Release it all, except the P video, please. And now, the intercepted. Intercepted? What do we call it? Steve? Where's Steve? I'm tired. I got to pee. This is Intercepted. All right, this is episode eight of Intercepted, and we are live in Austin, Texas at South by Southwest, and we have an incredible show. We have an opportunity to talk live with uh, the man himself, Edward Snowden. Um, But first, we're going to begin by talking about something. First of all, I want to say this. I I think it was really fucked up, this whole situation that happened with South by Southwest and the letters that were sent out uh, to musical acts, and they tried to walk it back, and they tried to say, oh, well, we didn't actually... We didn't actually mean that that we were going to cooperate with ICE or DHS, but it, it was a problem. And some bands uh, got these letters that clearly at this moment, with Donald Trump in power, with the Muslim ban, with the targeting of immigrants in this country, it's at a minimum tone deaf on South by Southwest uh, side. But if in, a, in a different context, if you think about it, what were they thinking to send that kind of a letter out at this exact moment. And and one of the ways that we wanted to respond to that was by having an artist uh, who is a Muslim, uh, whose origin is from one of the countries that's being targeted uh, in Trump's uh, Muslim ban, uh, whose uh, family members were killed uh, resisting the regime of Muammar Gaddafi um, in Libya. He's an incredible uh, hip-hop artist and uh, an activist, and he, he goes by the uh, name KM. Welcome to Intercepted. What's up, man? All right. So, um, Cam, I, I've done a lot of reporting about the no-fly list, about mm-hmm. the watch listing system, the various yeah. ways that you can end up in the matrix. And so, you yourself in, in, in 2013 found yourself in a situation where you were being targeted at airports. So, so why don't you share a little bit about your experience uh, at traveling while Muslim? Yeah, I definitely. Uh, first of all, I want to thank you because... It's been a really tough three years. I just got off the list, and now you got me on the same episode with Edward Snowden. <laughs> so thank you for that, Jim. Congratulations on getting back on the list today. <laughs> Maybe South by Southwest ask, is going to like call them up. Be like, I'm, I'm sorry, there must have been an oversight. Ask him um, if he needs a roommate in Russia. <laughs> um, 
It was trying, man. It all started. I mean, I had always had issues where I like I couldn't check in online and stuff. That's kind of just normal, like Muslim experience. But um, I think it started getting worse coming back from Toronto in 2013. I was detained in Michigan uh, for six hours, which is the maximum time they can detain you before they have to send you somewhere else. Um, it was really <laughs> scary because the way they treat you is like there's something really big and bad going on, really aggressive. Uh, they ended up separating me from my family and putting me in a jail cell and you know eventually a man just came and told me you know an agency is coming to get you and I had no idea what he meant I thought I'm, I'm in Guantanamo Bay I don't know what's going on this agency it turned out to be a local cop from uh, Monroe County for like there was a time when I was like my license plate was tilted and I got put over on the highway so it was like improper display of registration very suspicious man yeah. that's, that's some ISIS and shit I remember right that incident that was like 2006 I remember that incident that's my fault I was like a teenager and I just like oh I got a ticket in Michigan I don't think I ever paid it but um I remember that time he ended up searching the car he found a little copy of the Quran in the glove box um, like my mom's copy, I was driving her. Van. What were you thinking? <laughs> well, he practicing me, your religion. He asked me straight up. He this is like, America. <laughs> he's like, "What does it say? What does it say in here?" I was like, "You want me to break down the whole Quran?" <laughs> but anyway, that was the beginning. Then after that, like, I wouldn't be able to get boarding passes. One time, I was flying from Chicago to Kentucky. I passed all the extra quadess stipulations, which is like. You know, when you get to security, you have to see a supervisor. They go through each individual item. Um, if you have a carry-on, I had to stop taking carry-ons, and they wipe it with a little explosive stuff and kind of arbitrarily throw out. Like, I'd have a case of 50 CDs, and like 30 of them would be explosive, and 20 wouldn't. They throw all that stuff out. They take pictures of every page in your notebook. I remember, like, they take a picture. I said something about Saddam Hussein or Iraq in a, in a line, and they kept talking about it. But you could use that as a blurb, like, on your album. <laughs> Yeah. KM is, is his CDs are explosive. D <laughs> DHS. He's the bomb. He's the bomb. That's that's like getting you know five mics in the source or something. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. But anyway, I passed all that. Then once you get to the gate, they have to search you and interrogate you again. So you have to show up like five hours early if they even print the boarding pass. But this time, I made it all the way to Detroit, which was just a connecting city. It wasn't even where I was leaving from. And after I was already on the plane, they came up, asked for my ID, and then they told me that I had to get off and no explanation. No refund, nothing like that. Just left stranded. Luckily, I have friends everywhere. Uh, so somebody came and picked me up. The first friend, though, didn't come back and pick me up. He was really scared. He's like, no, nah, you got to figure out what the hell's going on. I'm not going over there. <laughs> you know, I, I, just to put this in context for people, uh, on the one hand, we have uh, this Muslim ban. And Trump, you know, that now they've kind of uh, repackaged it and they've taken Iraq out of it. But that primarily was in response to the very selective outrage sure. aimed at the fact that you had Iraqis who had worked as translators or collaborators with the United right. States military in Iraq because John McCain and others raised a ruckus about it. They said, OK, well, we're going to take Iraq off of this, but they still have these six countries. So yeah. that that's one part of the policy. You, however, were born in the United States. So there's a there's a whole sort of different related reality. And, and that is that Muslims, Arabs, um, wide swaths of communities of color are being profiled and targeted. Sure. One of the documents that, that we published that we got from a whistleblower on the watchlisting program showed that the number two city in the United States where people are on the watch list is Dearborn, Michigan, uh, where, which has the largest percentage of Arab Americans and Muslim Americans as a community in the entire United States. Sure. The other four cities on that top five list were you know, Chicago, New York, yeah. L.A., 
and then Dearborn, Michigan, you know, this <laughs> small community. And there, I think there was something like 48,000 residents of Dearborn, Michigan are on some form of the uh. watch list. And for people who say, well, you know, this is for our safety and, and, and you know, secondary screening uh, is, is the best way to prevent terrorism. They need to look at, at what happens if it's taken to the extreme. Maher Arar, who is a Syrian-born Canadian citizen, was kidnapped at JFK Airport in 2002. This is an, you know, an engineer, uh, a, a, a very well-educated, law-abiding, upstanding citizen in Canada. He's coming back from a, a family vacation. His wife and kids are still on vacation. He's coming back to go to work. He was working for an American company. He is in transit at JFK. He gets taken in the same way that you're taken to a secondary screening and ends up being rendered by the CIA and sent to Syria, a country he hadn't been in since he was a little kid, and then was mercilessly tortured in Syria at the direction of the CIA. And he was kept in what he called his coffin. He was kept in a small box in Syria, for 10 months and 10 days, he was kept inside of this coffin and interrogated about where is Osama bin Laden? Who are your other contacts within Al-Qaeda? And it turns out that it was entirely a case of mistaken identity, that he had co-signed a loan for a guy, another guy in Canada, whose name was similar to someone that the CIA was tracking uh, as an associate of some people high up in Al-Qaeda, both he and his friend were in boxes in Syria, both of them cases of mistaken identity. I bring that up because the stakes are very high. It's not just a matter of, oh, we have to take off our shoes and our belts and this is how we stay safe. Sure. They target people because they're Muslims. Right. And, and we need to be clear in how we talk about that. And it's not just, you know, it wasn't just the flight issues. Like people don't understand. <laughs> I was having... The FBI perpetually coming to the house, like constant surveillance and harassment. And what they started doing, it got to a point where my lawyer was like, listen, just don't talk to them. Give them my business card and have them talk to me. And when I when I would start doing that, they'd get really upset. And they started this tactic, which was they would um, find some type of bogus warrant. I'd, I'd, I'd go through background checks for work or whatever. So some type of bogus warrant that didn't exist a week ago, a traffic warrant. And he'd be like, oh, well, we have this traffic warrant. You have to come with us. I would refuse to get in the car with them. I said, if it's a traffic warrant, call local police. And, of course, they'd make a big show of it. They wouldn't call a regular squad car. They'd get a paddy wagon, bring it to my little court, make a big show in front of the neighbors. And I'd have to go to jail. I'd go four or five hours, get processed, and then they'd give me a court date the next day. I'd go next day, and the judge would immediately just say, case dismissed. And that was it. And it happened over and over. It was just like this intimidation tactic that, well, if you don't talk to us, we're going to really inconvenience your life. And we'd be catching them at the grocery store and all around. It's just no way to live. Even if somebody can say, you know, oh, it wasn't that bad, or you didn't go to Guantanamo, or you didn't do this, but like living under that constant anxiety and fear and worry that like I was where I kept telling my friends like yo I don't know what's going on if something happens and I'm in the news I didn't do it you know like I was like prepared for like my name to be used for something my brother's a lawyer he calls that the uh the shaggy defense wasn't wasn't me (laughs) it wasn't me it really wasn't (laughs) all right we gotta uh we're gonna transition now to uh we have uh Ed Snowden is uh is on on the line from Moscow but before we we leave UKM um share a few verses with us sure uh, I would say a lot of people that are familiar with my music know about the like more political or conscious content, and a lot of subject matter is heavy, so I just want to do something a little bit lighter and fun. We can do that? 
You have the right, man. All right. <clears throat> You're going to need to check it with South by Southwest. They're going to need to see all of your papers, and they're going to need to approve the lyrics. I don't want to get advance. deported okay, back sorry. to Kentucky, man. All right. I'm better than a veteran, said I'm raising the stakes. I ain't settling for letterman, said I'm gonna be great. I ain't never been with better friends, heading to see my fate. I got etcetera and amphetamines, bet I'm staying awake. So I sever all endeavors, told me whether I kill. Got celebrity skill, but I can never be real, living in Beverly Hills. So I fly away and let my feathers settle tight right wherever I feel. I'm West Coast born, dirty South raised. East Coast flow with a Midwest glaze. These flow show that the kid just blaze. He's so cold that the bigs must praise. Why can't don't go out? Oh, he's so cheap. No, he low key, he only go see. All the people that he used to know before he started spitting cold like when the snow below three. The Artist to me, you want to go harder to a father degree. Like the Carters and the Martyrs, you see, you started to be one that would hardly agree, but arguably in another rapper smarter than me. So I do what I do, and it's true that it's priceless. You and your crew need to do something like this. Who would have knew that this dude was the nicest? Grew from a fool to a tool for the righteous. Might just break it down. I'm ahead of the competitors, I take the crown. I'm incredible, you edible, don't make a sound. I'm a predator, you edible, don't hate me now. Grew up listening to Pac, won't kid you that. But I love New York like Midget Max, so I'm sort of like Nas trying to bridge the gap. Built my team with the Bridgeview Cats. Best on the scene, and I'm liking it. We're the best that you've seen. And a fight in it. If you mess with my team, then you might get lit. I go to jail for my dogs like Michael Vick. All right, give it up for KM. Support the work. There's a documentary on him online too. You should check out about his uh, his trip to Libya. And with that, we're in the darkest hour. When the world Moscow. has turned away and no one's watching When the sky has turned gray and you have no options When your voice is illegal, only choice for the people Is to stand up proudly in the face of death It ain't a waste of breath when you speak up loudly On behalf of the kids in the street when no pots are pissing Living on the young cause their pop is missing Don't know if he's dead or he's locked in prison Disappeared, they consider him the opposition And now I'm having visions of dreams I shouldn't see Like could we be this close? Nah, I couldn't be But if the people in Egypt and Tunis could do this Decide they and why wouldn't we? More than 40 years, he done brought the nation under occupation. We cannot be waiting, we gon' stop debating. When one of us dies, 10 jumping line ready to box Satan. You can't take our freedom or take our soul. Take our freedom or take our soul. You are not the one that's in control. You are not the one that's in control. No powers greater than God. Go ahead and divide your plans. At the end of the day, you were just a man. Edward Snowden revealed the government collected information from millions of people without their knowledge. The NSA says everything it's doing is perfectly legal. I, sitting at my desk, uh, certainly had the authorities to, to wiretap anyone from you or your accountant to a federal judge to even the president if I had a personal email. Edward Snowden, welcome to Intercepted. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So uh, you are joining us now from a disclosed location um, in Moscow. And I wanted to start uh, by asking you to clarify something that has been discussed in light of Trump, the documents that were released uh, by WikiLeaks on CIA hacking. There are people who are saying, oh, it's, it's, it's totally implausible that the NSA would have been intercepting or reading President Obama's communications or spying on members of Congress. Based on your knowledge as a NSA contractor and also someone who worked with the CIA, explain to people the realities of those capabilities and whether or not the NSA would in fact uh, collect data uh, or communications on lawmakers or even the president. 
Yeah, so the, the main thing that this boils down to are our word games. Uh, when people in government assert that the NSA would never collect communications on an American, any American, whether they're president or a congressman or whatever, without a warrant, they are lying in the plain use of language, right? Uh, what collect means to you and me, right? That something travels across the phone line, that something travels across an internet line, uh, they pick it up, they save it, and they drop it in their database. Uh, that happens to everyone right now. It does not matter whether you're the president, doesn't matter whether you're Congress, doesn't matter whether you're a judge, doesn't matter whether you're an accountant, a lawyer, doesn't matter whether it's you sitting in the room right now. These things happen by default. That's how, of course, the system of surveillance uh, works because when you pick up the phone, right, there's not a little flag associated with it that says, oh, this person's the president, this person's a congressman. You can manually go in and set up filters that say, uh, you know, don't collect on this number, that number, or whatever, uh, but that's not really how it works. Uh, on the back end, there's a little bit of uh, things like that, but what's happening is these intelligence agencies, uh, these lawyers at the DOJ uh, for the president, uh, they're saying something different. They're saying to them, collect doesn't mean that we copied your communications, that we put it in the bucket and that we saved it in case we want to look at it. To them, collect means that they take it out of the bucket and actually look at it and read it. Now, now if you are an American citizen and they say, I want to look at your communications, I want to listen to this person's phone calls and everyone they contacted, this in theory is supposed to require a warrant. But the actual reality here is that they can do something different, uh, and they do do this without a warrant. Uh, but if you're in that bucket and you don't have a U.S. passport, you know, you're not a U.S. citizen, no Social Security card, you don't have a green card, so you're not uh, sort of legally privileged as a U.S. person, even if you're not technically a U.S. citizen, uh, they can't, what they say, target you directly. But if they look at the other side of that communication, right, the communication that went overseas uh, or involved a non-U.S. person in any way, that's entirely legal. Uh, that happens without a warrant. And they don't even have to be targeting a person, right? They don't have to be going, oh, I want to know who this person was talking to on the other side. In Pakistan, I want to pull all their phone calls. And, oh, in there, it happens to be Jeremy Scahill. Or, oh, you know, I'm calling the, uh, the, the Moscow Escort Service or whatever. Donald Trump is their prime customer. Uh, so we get his phone calls from there. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, it doesn't require that. They can be targeting a machine. They can be targeting a server. They can be targeting a system. They can be targeting the desktop machine uh, anywhere in the world, a router. And all of those communications that it's passing, right, that include your communications, include my communications, that include people from Congress and the president, just the same, all of those are in there and they get displayed in response to the query. Now, I did this professionally at Hawaii. This was my last position. I wasn't interested, of course, in targeting US politicians or US persons at all. My assigned target, right, uh, were Chinese intrusion sets. This is what we call uh, sort of hackers, uh, viruses, malware, that are known to be associated with a certain group, right? But because it's the internet, when I would look at these, uh, these indicators of compromise, uh, which is a way, a sort of a technical term of art, of saying some computer got hacked somewhere. Maybe it's at a defense contractor, right? Uh, maybe it's in a university, maybe it's in a hospital, uh, maybe it's in a congressman's office, right? And it's sending beacons uh, that are meant for the hacker, they're intended for the hacker, going out across the internet uh, to this server that I know. I say, I wanna see everything that comes from that server. 
Now, when that comes back to me, right, it's not just things that go to the hacker, right? It can be everything that goes to that server, which includes legitimate uh, transactions because many times these servers are themselves hacked, right? Uh, we're talking about a hot point because when somebody from China or somebody from Russia or somebody from the NSA hacks somebody else, they don't go directly from their origin to their target because then it's very easy to trace back, right? Uh, instead, they create a network of hops across the internet that are ordinary people's computers that don't have very good security practices, right? Your grandma. Uh, your grandma's computer uh, could very well be being used in actual offensive cyber operations by nation states if when you go and you internet or you open sort of her internet browser, it's got all those ancient uh, advertising bars and things like that. Well, my grandma's got computer contains some very offensive uses. all caps emails. Yeah, exactly. If they're forwarding chain letters and things like that, that's an indication that they're probably popped. But when we dial this back, right, what does this mean? Uh, if anybody at the NSA, if anybody at the FBI wanted to review communications about President Obama, right, like me sitting at the NSA, I could do that simply by typing in an IP address that doesn't even have to be the president's IP address, right? or if I want to search for his private email address or something like that, all I have to do is type it in the system, hit enter, uh, and say, show me US results for this. This is entirely legal uh, so long as I'm not targeting him officially, as I'm saying, I'm not interested in Obama, right? I'm interested in this known system that's affiliated with Chinese cyber espionage or whatever that just happens to be Obama's Blackberry. Uh, let, let me, let me, and oh, oh, go I'm ahead. not go doing, ahead what they, they call a reverse targeting, which is where I admit that I'm doing this, I'm targeting this system because I wanna read Obama's emails, right? If I'm actually doing that, uh, that happens all day long. People at NSA are doing that right now. This is legally prohibited. It's called reverse targeting, right? Uh, but when you hit certain stop points in your investigation, you're actually coached to do this kind of thing where you say, we don't know that this is Obama's BlackBerry, right? This is an unknown internet-connected uh, device that happens to have some connection to a known foreign intelligence target or a suspected foreign intelligence target. That doesn't have to be saying, you know, Obama's involved in espionage. Uh, that could just be saying that that device has been connected by a Russian malicious software scam, right? Uh, and as long as we say we weren't intending to target him, he's not the target of our investigation, uh, and we didn't know that it was Obama's BlackBerry, even if in reality we actually did. It's entirely legal. So, so let, let's uh, let's pretend for a moment that we should always take Donald Trump's statements seriously, and that we're dealing with like a normal, rational, sane person. If indeed uh, there is some merit to his allegation that he made on Twitter that the Obama administration—well, he said Obama personally—but that the Obama administration was in some form or another. Uh, targeting Trump or people around him, what would that look like? So, uh, you know, this is where I, I don't want to speak uh, too far beyond what is actually known. I don't want to get into the, the sort of craft of speculation here. Uh, Donald Trump has a well-established history of making unreliable statements. That's not in debate, right? That's not a point of contention. Uh, I think uh, it is possible, uh, based on everything we see and what we hear, uh, there may be some indication that something like this happened on the back end, right? Uh, where there's been some uh, 
searches that implicate not Donald Trump directly, right? Because if he had that, he'd be up on the stage waving it around on TV. Uh, but some third degree contact, something like that, uh, may not even be direct, directly connected to the campaign because this is what the NSA does, right? This is what you pay them to do. Uh, maybe one of these uh, campaign officials actually had some contact with a Russian official, right? Uh, or somebody who's a, a cutout, a go-between, right? Uh, but we have no evidence of that that's publicly established, publicly known. Uh, and if Donald Trump or anybody else wants us to take this seriously, they have to show evidence. And the fact that they have not, despite the severity of this allegation, uh, means that they're trying to make political hay, uh, I suspect, uh, out of something that affects all of us, right? Which is the fact that mass surveillance uh, is making all of us vulnerable. Had Obama wanted to read Donald Trump's communications, the communications of anyone in his campaign, right? Uh, or anybody at the NSA had to, right? You don't need the president's authority for this. Any analyst with the proper authorities at the NSA, with the right clearances, who works with X Keyscore, right? That's the name of uh, sort of our Google for spies that sorts through uh, all of the things that you're typing into on the internet and sending over the wire or the SMS messages that you're sending or the phone calls you're making. Uh, could type in these numbers, type in these email addresses, uh, and look at these things, right? Uh, that's the problem. Uh, it's not so much that uh, this actually happened here, there, or the other, because we don't have evidence for that. If Donald Trump wants to take this seriously, right, he needs to fix the problem that everyone in America's communications are being collected right now without a warrant, and they're going into the bucket, and they're... Uh, protected by very lax internal policy regulations, right? Uh, and this simply is not enough. If he's worried about the fact that somebody could have been wiretapping Trump Tower, uh, that this could have happened without a warrant or even with a warrant, right? Uh, the problem is not, oh, you know, poor Donald Trump. You're the president, right? You should be asking questions about why was this possible in the first place and why haven't I fixed it? Right. And, and um, you know, it sounds to me like you're saying that um, Breitbart is not the best source of intelligence for the president of the United States. Am I correct in saying that? <laughs> I mean, this is a guy who clearly he apparently doesn't even like, you know, want the full presidential. Data. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. ...briefing, but he damn sure makes sure to see Fox and Friends every fucking morning, um, which, which on its own level is kind of, uh, is kind of frightening. But 
Um, I, I wanted to ask you about this conversation um, about what's being called, uh, you know, the deep state. And, and I don't know how much, uh, you know, um, American television news you consume uh, in, in Russia, but MSNBC has basically transformed into a Cold War, uh, you know, opponent of the Soviet Union. Um, and they have like retired uh, intelligence person after general, after admiral on the air making totally unfounded claims about what has been proven. And and the people who are sort of saying, hey, let's see the evidence, like me or Glenn Greenwald, others, um, we're called Russian agents. And, and you, of course, uh, have long been uh, tarred with the allegation that you somehow are in cahoots with the FSB or that you brought all these documents over to, to Russia and you now have been flipped into a, a Russian um, agent. T talk about, given that you've lived through this yourself, talk about your assessment or give your assessment of, of the, the relationship between Russia and the United States, Trump and Russia, and the way that all of this is being covered in the news media. Well, I'll talk about this generally in the context of my case, right? Uh, Are so you an FSB all agent? Crazy allegations. I'm sorry? Are you an FSB agent? <laughs> no, I'm not. But, you know, maybe that's a retirement plan. No, seriously, though, uh, that's exactly the problem uh, is we've got these people who make allegations, right, uh, about things that actually are relevant, things that actually uh, should be investigated, but they're not interested in the actual phase of investigation. Right? I don't want people to trust me. I want you to doubt me, right? I'm a former NSA guy, former CIA guy. I ended up in Russia through no fault of my own, right? I was actually trying to transit to Latin America. And the U.S. government revoked my passport to trap me in Russia, which is a fairly amazing thing that people don't really understand that well. Uh, and yeah, there were all these allegations some years ago uh, where they went, look, this just doesn't look right, right? So maybe we can paint him with the Russian spy brush because that's something that doesn't go away. We've been seeing movies about Russian spies for like, you know, since, <laughs> since we were making movies. Uh, and there are Russian spies, right? That's, that's the thing. You don't just brush this off as nothing. What you do is you look into it. What you do is you investigate it, right? And Congress did this to me. The intelligence community did this to me. The CIA, the NSA, all these guys, right? They, they saw me as public enemy number one because I showed evidence that they were breaking the law. The federal courts ruled they were breaking the law, right? This isn't an allegation. This is fact. They violated the rights of every man, woman, and child in the United States. Further than that, they violated the basic human rights of everyone in the world. The United Nations affirmed that. But so here's the thing. All that investigation went into me, right? Uh, Congress just released a report some months ago, uh, which was criticized by every journalist who studied the issue, uh, where the worst thing that they could show that I did, and this is with complete access to classified information, uh, Congress being able to sit down with the director of the CIA and say, what's actually happening with this guy? Is the worst thing that I ever did uh, was that I lied to my boss about a sick day. I said, hey guys, uh, I'm going to the hospital when in reality, I was going to meet with journalists to tell them that the CIA and the NSA and all these groups were breaking the law, right? So the allegations fall apart if they're not true after investigation. And this gets back to a basic fundamental point of logic of rationality that is supposed to be the foundation of sort of our national character, which is that which can be presented without evidence must be dismissed without consideration, right? 
What we are supposed to be doing is calling for investigation, going the allegations about Donald Trump are cause for concern. We can't take them seriously because there's no evidence backing them that we see publicly, right? Uh, but by all means, do we want the FBI to look into this? Yes, absolutely. Do we want the CIA to be investigating this? Yes, absolutely. And when we have evidence, we need to present it because that's how a system of law is supposed to work. People in the United States, you know, this is supposed to be a free country. We used to say that. We don't say that so much anymore. But if this is a free country, right, where people have the presumption of innocence, right, they're innocent until proven guilty, by God, why are we saying the worst things about people imaginable without actually showing evidence of that? Now, there is plenty of circumstantial evidence at this point implicating uh, that Donald Trump's campaigns, the people around him, uh, have causes for concern, right? So we should be digging into that. But passing this off as established fact is a real problem because it's reducing our standards for evidence uh, about things that actually happen. Saying I'm a Russian spy, right? When even the former deputy director uh, of the NSA doesn't say that is a problem. The guy who is in charge of my investigation, right? For people who are like Edward Snowden is a Russian spy. Let's go to the former deputy director of the National Security Agency, Chris Inglis, who is the guy who actually investigated me and see what he thinks. First, I have to point out that I don't represent the United States government um, anymore. I'm no longer in an official capacity. And so I wouldn't know what the official position of the U.S. government is any more than I would know the absolute truth of what Snowden's thinking was and all the machinations that he went through to, to do what he did. But, but here's what I surmise based upon a careful observation of the facts available to me. Um, it does seem clear that his intention was to go to Latin or South America after he revealed all this material in Hong Kong. He worked very hard and his lawyers worked very hard on his behalf to actually achieve that in the days and weeks afterwards. It doesn't seem to me that uh, a destination of China or Russia would be preferred. Um, um, this was something that was done on the fly. It wasn't carefully thought through. I can't imagine that his plan A was to arrive in Moscow and essentially be in virtual isolation um, in a foreign country. It probably is a nice enough place to be, but it's not home. Um, so I don't think that he was in the employ of the Chinese or the Russians. I don't see any evidence that would indicate that. Um, and even if they're careful in terms of practicing denial and deception, I think there would be certain telltales in there that would work out more crisply, more cleanly, um, separate and apart from, from where he's wound up. Okay, well, clearly he's a Russian agent, so let's just dismiss everything he just said. <laughs> so the, re the relevance of that, though, I mean, just to put, put it in context for people, I mean, this is this was a former very senior official at the NSA. Um, the saying, number two at the, the NSA. The number two at the NSA. Uh, who, he doesn't say it directly, but he's referencing uh, what you mentioned before, which is that you didn't choose Russia. The Obama administration chose Russia, Russia by canceling your passport and, um, and, and, and at one point forcing uh, Evo Morales, the president of Bolivia, forcing his plane – uh, to make an unplanned landing, a forced landing, because they suspected you might have been on board this aircraft. I, I think that's one of the greatest lies that's been told about your case, is this idea that you chose to go to Russia, that you intended to make a deal with Moscow. Um, and, it, and, it, and it sticks. You hear it constantly. Edward Snowden is a Russian spy. He now has become an asset of the Russian government. Well, the funny thing is you don't actually hear this from serious people anymore. Um, you hear this from sort of the crazy hyperpartisans. Uh, I have sort of formal affiliations with like U U.S. universities, 
I'm invited to speak at them regularly. Uh, nobody has any legal trouble. Nobody gets uh, there. There's there's no harassment or concern about this, because serious people who actually look at this, uh, they they see that this is well established fact, right? Wait, you're saying that uh, that guy who got caught sending dick pics, who was an NSA guy, that he's not a serious person? <laughs> I'm not going to speak about any individual. Okay, sorry, uh, I, I, in particular, I don't mean to, yeah, to force you to look, respond to someone's dick pics. The, I'm sorry. The only people who are making these kind of allegations uh, today are either sort of, the, and I, I say this with uh, sympathy and compassion rather than criticism, people who are seriously struggling. Uh, with issues like uh, senility um, or people whose judgment is otherwise fairly well established as compromised, right? When you have, uh, for example, um, Jeffrey Stone, who was part of the Obama commission to investigate what the NSA was doing, inviting me to debates right, about the lawfulness of these programs. And they're not saying like you're a Russian spy or anything like that. The reason I'm even on the stage with these people uh, is because they have affirmed that that's not the case, right? If the <laughs> number two of the NSA is like, look, there's nothing to see here. Uh, the number of times that I agree with the top leadership at the NSA in today's world are very few. So if we're speaking from the same page, there's probably a reason for it. Let, let me ask you about the the um, the, the deep state issue. Um, there, there, there seems to be an emerging consensus among influential liberal pundits and political figures, uh, politicians in the Democratic Party, that there's this awesome group of heroic NSA, CIA, military people that are protecting the republic from Donald Trump. Uh, what do you make of that narrative, that there's the, the deep state is A, trying to undermine Donald Trump, and B, is, is really in secret protecting all of us from the dangers of his administration? Well, it's half true. Um, and I mean, I don't like to say these things are right and wrong because it's not black and white. Uh, there is uh, a deep state, right? What are we saying when we talk about deep state? We're talking about the people who survive presidents, right? Uh, these are not political appointees who come and go in this office or that office. They're the people who are senior enough to influence policy, to shape the government's understanding of an issue. Uh, and all the little people under them who are just sort of the worker bees who actually do things, uh, these worker bees, by and large, are good people, right? Uh, I worked at NSA at CIA for a long time. I strongly disagree with a lot of their policies, right? They cause harm. They violate rights. They make us, the United States, less safe as a nation. Uh, and they destabilize peace, not just here at home, but around the world, right? That's not to say everything they do is bad, right? These worker bees, right, they're, they're good people, who do bad things for what they consider to be good reasons, right? There are literally people uh, in the United States who ran torture programs, and there are people who actually did the torture. I'm not saying these are good people, right? Uh, these are war crimes, uh, uncontroversially. Uh, and these people probably didn't know at the time. But why did they do it, right? Uh, they did it because they were told there would be blood on their hands or everybody else's hands or people were going to die or buildings were going to collapse if it wasn't done. Now, I'm not saying that was the right thing to do, but who are the people who bear the most responsibility for this, right? That's where you find the deep state. It's not the guy at the desk. The guy at the desk doesn't even pick what he's going to do that day. He's ordered to do this, that, or the other. Follow the chain up, right? When you go to the White House, when you go one level down to the political appointees, and then you go that one step down, right? Political appointees who survive beyond presidents, 
And the people who uh, sort of convert, they roll over from being a political appointee to embed themselves in the government on a permanent basis. That's where you see the deep state. And these are the people who are writing the memos that become our laws. These are the people who create the findings and suggestions that say, you know what? Torture would work. Torture would save lives, even though, in fact, it didn't. Uh, and it actually gave al-Qaeda and ISIS their greatest propaganda boost that we've ever provided them. Uh, because they can say, look, the United States is no better than us. Yes, we chop heads off. Yes, we drill holes in hands. But you know what? They do, too. Uh, now, of course, we aren't actually beheading people, uh, but we are dousing people in cold water and letting them freeze to death in a cell after we've beaten them all day. Uh, we had people who had, uh, you know, hummus and their food actually anally inserted. These people were raped with their dinner as a punishment for non-compliance or non-cooperation. Uh, we can say many things. We can talk about moments of passion. We can talk about the loss of rationality in moments of panic. But these are fundamentally un-American things. And if there's one thing, right, one thing we need to remember, it's that these people have never faced the inside of a courtroom in a criminal trial. Uh, George Bush, right, who was sort of the architect of all of these uh, programs and authorities, he's the one who actually gave all these deep staters uh, the legitimacy to construct and carry these things out. This could not have happened without his support. Is now being rehabilitated in the public eye now. They're saying, oh, he's this wonderful, happy little painter guy. He's like Bob Ross with an accent. No, he's not. He's a real criminal. <laughs> He's, you know, he's just, he's painting his own world, man. He's just, you know, pretty little clouds. He can make it whatever he wants. No, it's, it's, it's disgusting that, uh, well, first of all, you had, the, you have the kind of, uh, you know, true detective season three with Bush and Michelle Obama, you know, getting all cuddly and hug, you know, hugging. Uh, this was a guy who was responsible for wars that killed upwards of a million people, including thousands of U.S. soldiers. And he he now is being presented as like he's the reasonable Republican because Trump is so, you know, unfathomably dangerous. And it's and I think it's just a, it's a disgrace to the soldiers who died, but also the civilians who whose lives were, were treated as like just dirt to step on um, around the world. And it really is a sick part of our the amnesia that's drilled into our our culture of, you know, of history, of the context of how we actually ended up where we are. Um, I, I want to um, uh, close by asking a couple questions about the recent um, CIA releases um, from WikiLeaks. Uh, just to put it in context for people, uh, the Vault 7 uh, releases are, it's about 8,700 or so um, documents or files um, that deal with the um, CIA's hacking capabilities. And one of the things that's gotten a lot of attention is the idea that, uh, or the, the platform that allows a, a particular Samsung TV to be turned into a kind of in-home surveillance device. And, you know, a lot of people uh, now are, are becoming aware of what's, what's called the Internet of Things. You know, you've got your, your refrigerator is hooked up to the Internet. Uh, you've got that damn Alexis or Siri or, you know, Go Google or whatever it's called. Um, when, as you, I know you, you, you very early when this came out said that this is, was extraordinarily significant. What to you, given your expertise and your background, what are the biggest takeaways from what has been released so far? And what do you think is important for people to understand about what's contained in these CIA documents? Yeah, I mean, there, there's a, a, a lot to talk about here. The thing that I, I don't like that I'm not so impressed by is everybody's talking about, you know, Samsung TVs. Nobody really cares uh, about these Samsung TVs. 
uh, in terms of what this means for our future. Any device that's connected to the internet can be hacked, right? And this Samsung TV in this circumstance uh, is not hacked through the internet. This is a USB enabled hack, right? Where somebody has to, this is an old version of TV, by the way. Uh, they had to go in and actually stick a USB drive in it, start the TV up, and that would hack the TV. Then you pull the USB drive out and the TV starts listening in on you. Uh, and people go, oh, well, the CIA is not going to be breaking into my house, right? Uh, and that's actually true. Uh, that's me. Don't, don't panic. Uh, but they don't go into your house, right? Uh, what they do is they wait for when these devices are being shipped to you, when you order them on Amazon or whatever. They go to them at the airports. They get the box. They use a little hair dryer to soften the adhesive. They open up the box. Then they put the USB stick in it. They seal the box back all nice and perfect. Uh, and then they ship it on to you. And now your router, your computer, uh, your TV is hacked. This is a very routine thing that happens, right? Wait, so you're saying you're saying that um, the CIA, the, we're just doing the hands on on this, by the way, that's the FBI. Just to clarify. So you're and I know that there are documents that um, that were made public because of you um, that showed that they're intercepting routers and other devices uh, in in bulk. Right. And like, for instance, some of the. Uh, the exports from the United States that deal with internet technology and are going overseas, they'll actually contaminate those devices without necessarily knowing what specific person's going to get them. They're, they're, they're contaminating them at the source before they're shipped. Sort of. Okay. Uh, it, it's not yes, that it's a question, not a statement. Mass indiscriminately for everything, right? It's not like every iPhone that gets sent to China is backdoored. Uh, if they know there's a particular zip code or a particular region that has like a nuclear facility in it, uh, they'll do this kind of thing. Uh, and that would be appropriate in many cases. You would want them to do that. Uh, but this is a method, right, that they apply to many different things uh, where they'll also do this to political parties, right? They might also do this to a newsroom if they see the device uh, is going to a particular building or whatever. Um, these, these are the kind of causes for concern. Scope out from the individual thing of how does this affect me? Think about how does this affect society, right? Uh, and this is what the real value uh, of this CIA release is about. The most important thing here is that we now have concrete evidence uh, that the CIA, the NSA, the United States government writ large, and our partners in places like the United Kingdom are supporting a commercial market in making every internet-connected device less secure. They are paying companies to develop what are basically digital weapons uh, or tools, like burglary tools, uh, that will break in any device, right? And then when they create these things, the problem is uh, anybody can use them, right? Uh, you don't just have to have the tool if you can rediscover the same kind of thing, which studies just came out in the last week showing the frequency of this, by the way, for any given tool uh, is 5 to 20% per year, right? 5% if you believe uh, sort of a not very reliable RAND study uh, from a closed data set. No academics are allowed to look at it. No universities are allowed to uh, look at it. Uh, they just say, trust us. Uh, these numbers say what they think they are. They say there's a 5% chance every year that when the government uses a new kind of wiretap capability, the Russians, the Chinese, random hackers, whoever will rediscover it and can use it to listen to American iPhones, right? Or Samsung TVs in the United States, whatever the device of the day happens to be. Uh, or 20% uh, every year. That's insane, right? Uh, it is, this doesn't happen in any other industry. Uh, if every time you bought a, a hamburger, there was a 5% chance that it would kill you, people wouldn't be eating hamburgers. 
anymore until they change the law. This is the dynamic that we really see in this release. Uh, and that's the thing that people are focusing the least on outside of policy circles, uh, because it's not very exciting. It's not very accessible. It's not very easy to understand. But this largely um, misses, I, I, I think, the, the top level point when we think about all of this stuff. Uh, and this dynamic of Donald Trump, the fact that the world is on fire, the fact that the president's statements can't be relied upon, uh, the fact that his laws are violating our Constitution in such a blatant and open manner, right, is that this is actually not new. What's different is he is so inept that we see it, right? Uh, even his representatives go on the news and they don't try to lie carefully. They don't try to lie uh, in a manner that has a kind of art to it, they do so openly, without shame, because they say, what are you going to do to stop us? But this happened in the Bush administration. He created a warrantless wiretapping program that on its face violated the Fourth Amendment so badly, so boldly, that the Attorney General of the United States at one point refused to sign it. Uh, because he didn't think he could defend that uh, if he was eventually brought into the docket one day. What did the president do? Well, he didn't go, all right, well, the attorney general says this isn't legal. We shouldn't do it. He turned to the NSA director and said, well, the attorney general won't sign off on this. Will you do this anyway? And the director of the National Security Agency said, well, the president's asking me. Sure. Even though he knew that was a violation of the Constitution. Let's go to President Barack Obama, right? Uh, this is a similar thing. Uh, Obama was a fairly progressive, fairly liberal uh, politician by American standards. And I don't mean on the American political spectrum because he was actually pretty far right as far as what people would consider to be a liberal. Uh, he was the one who said, the world is a global battlefield. I'm going to assassinate US citizens without a trial outside of an actual combat zone because I believe they're a threat to the United States. Now, right or wrong, whether you think he was justified or unjustified in that, that's unprecedented, and that's clearly a violation of due process, right? Um, but this happened. Uh, when you look at the statements of, of journalists uh, who worked under the Obama administration, and uh, we're talking mainstream people, right? Uh, they're describing his activities against the press as a war on whistleblowers, uh, a war against the press. Uh, whenever something comes to the public eye, uh, cyber operations that are questionable, things that failed, uh, he starts trying to put people in jail. The editor of the New York Times, right? This is not what we would consider sort of a radical fringe source. So the Obama White House was the most secret they've, they've ever dealt with. Uh, James Risen, who uh, the DOJ for some time threatened with jail if he wouldn't uh, reveal who his source was, said Obama was the greatest enemy of press freedom in a generation. Now, what does this all boil down to? Why does this matter? The reality is, all governments lie. All governments break the law. And most frequently, this happens without us realizing it. The majority of us, right? People who follow this, people who study this, we'll see it. They'll complain, they'll protest, but they don't have critical mass because they don't have control of the airwaves. They're sort of shuttled off in the corner of the room where they talk amongst each, uh, each other. But the average person doesn't care that much because these presidencies, these administrations, give them the space to deny it to themselves, right? To say, I can go on with my day, I can go on with my life, and I don't have to confront these issues. I can live in my comfortable life. I can go home after a hard day, right? I've got people to take care of. I've got bills to do, uh, pay. I have obligations. I don't have time to save the government, right? 
We can't do that anymore. That is no longer a luxury. And that, more than anything else, may be the silver lining of this disastrous administration is the fact that people are for the first time in a generation realizing that democracy is not an inheritance. Folks, this is a challenge. This is our challenge. This is something that requires effort. This is something that requires sacrifice. And this is something that if you turn your back on, will not get better. It will get worse. It is not enough to believe in something. It is not enough to think that America is the land of the free, the home of the brave. We have constitutional values and these things will simply work out. They will mean nothing unless you make them mean something. It is not enough to believe in something, ladies and gentlemen. You must stand for something. Well, Edward Snowden, on that note, uh, we're going to leave it there. And thank you so much for your work, your courage, uh, your bravery, and your sometimes funny and always sharp analysis. Uh, Edward Snowden, folks, let's give him a round of applause from Moscow. Thank you for joining us here on Intercepted, live from South by Southwest in Austin. Take care, Ed. All right, that does it for this week's show. Intercepted is a production of First Look Media and The Intercept. We're distributed by Panoply. Our producer is Jack Desidoro, and our executive producer is Lital Malad, who has a PhD in unplugging microphones. Inside joke. Rick Kwan mixed the show. We had production assistance from Elise Swain. Our music was composed by DJ Spooky. Thank you to PRX and iHeartRadio for hosting us at the Capitol Factory in Austin. And a very special thanks to KM and Edward Snowden for joining us live at South by Southwest. As we've said before, and I'll say it again, we're a new show. We need your support. Tell your friends, tell your foes, go to iTunes, Google Play, wherever you do such things. Give us a rating if you feel so inclined. Even better, give us a review. Until next week, I'm Jeremy Scahill. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.